good evening, LCM. Good evening. It is September 28th, 2023, and the title of tonight's message is The Kingman. Kingman. Tonight is a fortuitous occasion. We get the distinct opportunity to follow after an incredible sermon. Was Sunday not amazing yesterday? Or was Sunday not amazing, church? We're in the exact same boat that you guys are in. Exact same boat. We also have struggled with our own failure. But something has changed in our lives. And the point of tonight is to relay that message to you. It's changed in us and it will in you. And we want to begin where we left off on Sunday. Today is the day where we make an advancement in the kingdom. Today is the day that we make war on the enemies of God. Sunday was the day of atonement. Did everybody catch that last Sunday? Today is the day that we make war and we make atonement in right order. But it's not the only experience that we have with atonement. We have much more experiences than that. Yeah, we do. So what we're going to do, let's define our day of atonement. It's that day. That can seem confusing, but it's that day. There's not just one, but many, and we want to specify a day of atonement for each of us that will resonate with all of you. Does that sound okay? All right. We're going to start with my day of atonement. Day one. And I promise no one will get left out, but when we were working through this message, what came to mind for me was the day that I stood in the presence of the Lord. The first time that the Lord made atonement for me. I was sitting in a van in Turkey. I've told you all about this. I can't help but mention it every time they give me a mic. And in a moment, the Lord changed my life with, I will not bow the knee to Baal. I will not bow the knee to you, Nebuchadnezzar. And from that point forward, everything in my life has been different. We've been on an upward trajectory. We've been going higher. What I was beforehand is not even worth mentioning. What I became after that day, though, that day of salvation was a day of atonement experience for me. Oh, man. My day of atonement experience. That actually happened the day that Gabriel Stevens and Pastor Judah Stevens came to pick me up from Crystal Lake. The what was before of a life that was mediocre at best and lukewarm became so much more on that day. Became a turning point and from that day afterwards, my life has not been the same. It is ever growing, ever expanding, and God has given me new life, and we are, man, we're getting after it. Man, what's amazing is we see the beginning salvation, day one of atonement in Gabriel's life, and we can see the transformation that's taken place. We can see a man of God that left everything behind, home and everything, to pursue after the king, lay everything behind, and that is a day of atonement. Can I tell you about the last couple weeks of my life? Can I tell you about the difficult corrections that have been also life-giving, but caused a sober-minded view in my own heart and life? Seeing the areas where I've gave in to idolatry and failures, the areas where I've given in to bitterness, the areas that I've given in to absolute cowardness in my life, and I'm looking introspectively in my life over the past week and trying to get, Lord, where am I actually at in my walk? And he's showing me these things. But that day of atonement was Sunday for me, where I realized no more am I going to sit back 
and wait for another opportunity for me to become the man that I'm called to be. No more am I going to sit back and just wait for somebody else to minister what needs to be ministered. Today was the day, which was Sunday, for me to move beyond weeping and mourning from the past and turn towards what is ahead. So thinking about the Day of Atonement and consequently thinking about the things that we were beforehand, which we are not going to talk about here, we, uh, we wanted to take the best uh, unbiased, you know, well-filtered poll that we possibly could of our progress. So we asked our wives what our, their favorite thing about us was and our character. Character. And when we asked Miss Stephanie what her favorite thing is about Adam, she said he is a man of unrelenting integrity. You see, there was a day of atonement, and what he's become since then is a man of unrelenting integrity. Yeah, we asked the same question to Miss Megan. Oh, man, and she was quick to answer with, Andrew is a wholehearted man in all he does. And you could see the fire of that wholeheartedness as he's up here speaking before you because his life has been transformed, and he is not going back. We called Livy and asked what we saw in Gabe's life, what she saw in Gabe's life as the number one thing, his character. It's that he is a protector of all things under his care. Do you not see this as the lion-hearted man of God that will fight tooth and nail for everything under his care? Church, we wanted to do this with you guys because historically the Day of Atonement was celebrated with much jubilation. However, it was just one day. And you have to imagine, as a Hebrew man, the party of we are right with God. Now, how long, before I mess it up again, <laughs> how many days can I get into the year before I now need to wait for the next day of atonement? See, in order to answer this question, we need to turn to some scriptures. We want to talk to you guys about Daniel 8. Let's see how this man of God answered that question. Let's turn to Daniel 8, 26, and we're going to read through 27. Kingsman. Say Kingsman when you're there. It says, The vision of the evenings and mornings that has been given you is true, but seal up the vision, for it concerns the distant future. See, we can see that clearly he seals up the vision because he was told to. But why else? Why else would he perhaps be inclined to the necessity of sealing up this vision? It's because Daniel was reading through Jeremiah, a man of God, that sealed up a vision that was for Daniel's day and time. He saw Jeremiah do the same thing and how vital it was in Daniel's own, own life. Church, it has been undeniably explained to us that we are living in the days that Daniel saw into. How much more is it an encouragement and vital for us to bring on the vision God has given us to the generations that will see the return of Christ? You see, Jeremiah saw the importance of the vision that was given to him, and he realized that he needed to put it into the word and that men would, it would transform their lives one day. You can't always see every detail and every step of the way ahead of you, but we must grab hold of the visions that God has been giving to this body, to the individual members in our own lives. Lord, what is it that you want to do with my life? We must seal up those visions because they are going to come into play in decades and, and years from now, and they're going to be vital in men's lives. Raise your hand if you've gotten a, a vision or a revelation from the Lord about what you are going to be doing, what he's said about you, what he's called you to do. Yeah, almost there's every hand in the room. 
okay? Those are things that we're to hold on to, to go back to. And we're going to jump into this a little later, but those are important things that we need to have and have a firm grasp on. Daniel 8.27 then says, I, Daniel, was exhausted and lay ill for several days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. What? I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. Church, did you catch that he was overwhelmed by the vision? He was overwhelmed by what he saw, and it was too much for him. Right? We've, uh, we've just had a time of introspection before on the, the days of awe, the 10 days of awe, where we get to look inside and see the things that need to be changed in our lives. Yeah. Right? We've wrestled with that. That can be overwhelming. Yeah. It can be overwhelming when you realize things that need to change, things you may not have done very well before. But we have opportunities here, church. Amen. As you understand... Daniel got up. Say it with me. He got up. And he got about the king's business. It wasn't about all of those things that you were not doing well. It was about standing up and getting back to what God has said to do. Getting back to the vision he's already given you and walking out in full authority in that. That's what the man of Daniel did. That's what we're getting at tonight. Saints... Today was that day he set aside his inability to understand the vision, and he decided to do something about it. He was a man appalled, but not paralyzed. Anybody feel that a little bit in the room? What we just talked about? Use now time to stand up and do something about the introspection you've had. Your God has counted it dead. Now you spend the rest of the year making it dead. The day of atonement was not to paralyze you. It was to appall you. Then give you the motivation and the courage from God to now make it dead and do something about it. What we want you to identify is that the overwhelming is not where he stayed. Daniel began to stand up and it says that he went about the king's business. But that's because he was a king's man. It wasn't just a day. It was not just a moment for him. It was who he was. It is his identity and that which he cannot help but do is be about his king's business. This is where we turn, church. We will no longer talk about what happened before the Day of Atonement. We will talk about what we are going to do about it after the Day of Atonement. Church, we have been aiming at the king's man. We have been aiming at the king's business, and I can think of no better king's man to talk about than Nehemiah. Turn with us to Nehemiah 2. We're going to start in verse 11. Say kingsman when you get there. It says, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. Church, the king's man is a man who receives revelation from God about what the next thing is to do. Just like Nehemiah, he received a task from the Most High that he got up and went about the king's business to do. He identifies the task his God has given him, and he pursues after it with a wholehearted abandonment. This task was not given by man, but it was put into his heart by the Lord. Reminds me of a newfound uh, fire in my brother next to me. Come on. Genesis 117 has a really cool connection with Nehemiah uh, 2.12. 
So the idea that God put something in Nehemiah's heart, okay? That word is nathan. It's a pretty common word. It's used a lot about to give, to set, to place. That first occurrence happens here in Genesis 1.17. And I want to share that with you. It says, God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And he's talking about the lights that he, he set up. The lights he set up to actually give life to the earth. To put light on the earth. To separate light and darkness. And to be signs and symbols. With that in mind, you could say that when a man, a man like Nehemiah, is standing up in that call, standing up in that revelation that God has put in his heart, he is a man who is giving light to the earth. He is a man who is separating light from darkness. And he is a man that is a sign and a symbol for generations to come. This is who we are, church. Every man and woman in this room has something that God has put in your heart. And you are to be the sign and symbol. You are to be the light. You are to be what separates light from darkness. And not just separate it, repel it. Push it back to where it belongs. Man, we have an exciting thing. This is the new life. This is the standing up in our calling. This is the standing up in the uh, new life of uh, the kingsman. Being about the Lord's business. Being about a man who is only after that. Loyalty unto death to the king. We're going to do this at nauseum tonight. Say it with me. I am the king's man. I am the king's man. I don't, I don't think I believed you. Say it with me. I am the king's man. We're going to talk about some more king's men. We're going to go to 1 Chronicles 12 and get to verse 32. Say king's man when you get there. Men of LCM, I mean men of Esarkar, who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. 200 chiefs with their relatives under their command. See, the king's men here, well, they'd recognize the king before he was the king everywhere. But he knew what the Lord wanted to do, and he knew what the people of God should do about it. This is what the men of Issachar contributed there was only 200 of them amongst thousands. But 200 men who understand their king's will and then have the courage to direct other people to do it, that is a king's man that changes the world. We're going to turn to Nehemiah 8, and we're going to go to verses 9 through 10. Say kingsman when you get there. It says, then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is in the month of Tishri, y'all. This time, thank you. This time was sacred, not a time of mourning or weeping. They were to celebrate what had been made known to them. Church, this is not a time of mourning over the condition of the years, days, or months past. It's a time to celebrate 
Not only what God has done in our lives, but what he's currently doing right now. Because a king's man is excited about the king's business. And church, this is the attitude we want you to take hold of tonight. We want you to walk in actual freedom today, saying, I am done with the past failures, and I am going to run with everything inside of my bones to pursue after the king, because I am a king's man. A king's man is a man who, once he recognizes what needs to be done, gets about doing it. That's a king's man. When you get a correction, and it's the right thing for you, and now you know what to do, man, that should be a place our, our mindset needs to change. Because a king's man mindset is one that when they get that correction, man, I know what to do now. I know exactly what needs to be done, and I'm going to step out, and I'm going to do it. That's the excitement of being a kingsman, is one who, now that you know, you know. See, the king's man identity wasn't destroyed because he now got better directive of how to do the king's business. I know how to do my job now. You have pointed me in the right direction. I am willing and eager to do your will, my king. Where? Those are the moments that you enjoy sweet drink and choice food, and you are commanded to bring it to those that have none. If you're sitting here and you're not quite as jubilant as you should be over finding out the will of the Lord, it is you brothers here who are responsibility to bring some to those that have none. It is our job to make this a joyous occasion. We cannot sit back and say, Lord, let me be joyful about this. We must stand up, put a smile on our face, and be joyful about this. Our God is not going to leave us where he found us. That was never the point. The point was that if he took away such a massive debt from you, how much would you be willing to do for him afterwards? Your God is waiting for that glory hound mentality. How can I surprise you today, my king? What can I do to go above and beyond for you? Your identity cannot be destroyed when that is your goal. In fact, the Lord is already speaking that to us. If you, if you recall back to the prophecy that was spoken during worship, that's what our king is telling us. That is what he's directing us in. What's awesome about this as well, we are in this time frame of Nehemiah 8 right now. We're in, the, we're in the month of Tishri. We have these experiences. We have been wrestling and experiencing the exact same way that Nehemiah and the people were. And saints, what we're telling you today is the joy of the Lord is your strength. It is time to stand up. It is time to get about the king's business. You are kingsmen. We now understand what it means to be a kingsman like Daniel and Nehemiah. The kingsman is about taking action and performing the king's business. Another characteristic of a kingsman is his willingness. Let's take a look at Exodus 21. Exodus 21, verse 5. says, but if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children and do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges. He shall take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then he will be his servant for life. The kingsman loves his master. The kingsman willingly wants to be a part of his master's house and his family. There are some really awesome things we can get from this. There's a whole story. You guys can dive into Exodus 21, and it will, it, will, it will bless you today if you do. What's awesome about this 
is that willingness of the servant who wants to be a part of his master's house. It is a choice, a willingness, enough to be pierced for it. That's how much he wants this. And a lifetime, I want to be here for good. No changes, no going back. It's a marking on me now. The other side of that is the acceptance of the master for that servant. It takes two here. The servant has come with the willingness and the master has accepted and wants him and declares he wants him by piercing him. We are the servants who are willing to be pierced to come to our master. Willing to be a part of his family no matter the cost. No matter what it takes. Because he loved us. He loves us. We want him. The master accepts it and nothing changes after that. If something happens, that master is the one that pierced his ear. He remembers the piercing. So if something does happen, that master is still right there to say, yes, I accepted you the first time. I accept you now again. We're talking about a slavery so good you want to do it forever. That identity between the master and his servant. He bought him. There's a permanent sign on his body that he belongs to him. So if something that he owns didn't quite uh, perform as he intended, well, he's mine. And you cannot have him. (laughs) We're going to continue to talk about this relationship between the master, the king, and the king's men. Let's go to Luke 5. We're going to start verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. We can all say, ew. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged, Lord, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. He said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Church, the preciousness of today was not that you recognized you were a leper. The preciousness of the Day of Atonement is not that you agonized over all of your failures. The precious commodity that is today is the fact that your king is in front of you. And he is willing. We have to stop wasting our time wondering. Will he? Will he not? Have I let him down? Have I let my brothers down? Have I gone to a point now where maybe he's good, but I don't know about me. I don't know if I'm worth it. Our God is willing and we must stop wasting our time wondering if he's willing. We must get about asking, make me clean. Because the preciousness of today is he is in front of you. This leper was not allowed in Israel. He was not allowed in town. And in this moment, that moment, that day, he found his savior in front of him and it could not be denied from him. That is how you take advantage of the days that we have ahead of us. I am a leper. But not anymore. I was a leper yesterday, but today I am the king's man because today I found my God. We take advantage of today by interacting with our king. Man, that's so good. 
That's that first day where God transformed your life. You were a leopard, but he purified and cleansed you. There's no way he's just going to let us go because we messed up a couple times. There's no way he's just going to say, no, I'm going to forsake the man that I brought into my kingdom and I've sat at my table. Yeah. No, he, is, he has called us, he has chosen us, and he is making us to be faithful like him, church. Yes. You are the king's men. You are the leper that he is willing to clean, and he has made you clean. 1 Corinthians 3, and we're going to read verses 5 and 10, if you guys want to turn there. In verse 5, it says, what after all, what is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Church, Paul, he was given a task. Nehemiah, he was given a task. You can see men of God that were given tasks that the Lord put in their heart and that it was their lives that was, were consumed to accomplish it. See, you were our willing servants of God for today. You have been set free to serve him and you are kingsmen in his service. Now verse 10, it says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. Church, he has given each of you a task in this body. He has given you a plan and a design to accomplish here on earth. See, just like Nehemiah was an expert builder and he laid a foundation that others were building upon, so was Paul in this. So has been done with you, church. You have elders and leaders of this body that have built a foundation in your life that it's up to you to build upon. These are things that I have been wrestling with this week. The areas that I must follow my leaders as they have followed Christ. I'm looking at areas in my life and I am growing significantly at pouring into my daughter the word of God. My wife is spending time every day to out loud speak the word of life to my daughter, to talk to her about persecution and praying that not only would she be able to overcome that, but that we would first be given that task to accomplish. We're getting to confirm words day and night with my daughter. I'm getting to have opportunities to put into practice, not putting off tomorrow what could be done today. See, we cannot have the attitude that says, well, I'm going to put off for tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. No, we must stand up and say, today I will do the work. And that's what he's doing in my heart, church. That's what he's doing in your heart that says, no more I am going to build with the foundation that God has given me. This has been done in our lives, and we will build something greater than what has been given to us. We must build on the foundation. We must fight with every breath in our lungs, and we must be the kingsmen that grab a hold of the task that has been given to us and build upon about it. Serge, it's a difficult task for each one of us to be able to stand and say that I am. We, we struggle with this. When we make progress, we say, I'm beginning. I'm trying. I'm starting to. No, I am a good father. I am a good husband. I am the righteousness of God. I am. It is the testimony to the world what he has made you into, not what you were. The testimony is everything he's done after the day of atonement. And we all fight very, very hard to make sure that there's just a little bit about us in it. I used to be this way. But not today. not today. Not today. Today I am the king's man. 
Yes, we can look out in this crowd and we can see our families, our brothers and our sisters, and we can see men and women that have been transformed and are standing in righteousness. I can see people like David Bonham, or I can see like men of God like Daniel Cho that have said, I'm going to forsake the things behind me and I'm going to strain with everything in front of me. I see men of God, like the men to my left and my right. I see the men in Adullam who have said, in the name of Jesus, we are going to be the kingsmen that we've been destined to be. We're leaving Adullam and we're going to Hebron and God will crown us because he's doing it now in your life today. What I can see is I can see men of God like Adam Kaur that said, day one of atonement was when I came to LCM, but there's more that I must give to my king. Yeah. And I see him rising up and doing it. Church, today is the day where you grab hold of Come on. what God is doing in your life. And you're saying, no more looking at behind, I will strain towards what's ahead. Come on. Acts 20, 24, it says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. The Lord is building a burning desire within this body to minister here and now like the prophecy from last Sunday. We're not going to wait till next month. We're not going to wait till the one association. We're not going to wait till next week. We today here are going to grab hold of the ministry of reconciliation and run with all of our hearts. Come on. We've been set free from the chains of this world, and we are strangers and foreigners in this world. Our life has been purchased by our kings, and he has made us king's men together. Come on. We have been given a task, and that task, it's time to get about doing it now. Come on. Come on. I'm just going to soak this moment in for a second because my brother... My brother is just straight killing it right now. Man, I love the way that the Lord has atoned you and you have new life. You are firing me up in ways I can't even express right now. Man. Speaking of willingness. Willingness. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians 8. Starting in verse 11. Say the king's man when you get there. The king's man. I rather like the word. That's why we're speaking it a lot. That's why we titled the message this way. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. According to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Church. Are you Kingsman? Then your response is the eager willingness to give what you have. All of it. We sing it in worship. Everything and nothing less. Everything. Man, when you have an eager willingness to give everything, nothing holds you back. Nothing holds you back. You are that, that Hebrews 12 where you're running your race and you're running it well because everything else is off of you. Everything, there's nothing hindering you. No thoughts of this world, no thoughts of what I have to do for work or anything else that's distracting you. It is what he wants to have done. Your eager willingness to get into that, you start to run in the way that he has already put inside of your heart. And that's, That's a good thing. That's a quickening pace that you begin to run at because nothing else is holding you down. 
Church, Jim Elliott has a quote. He says, he is no fool to give up that which he cannot keep, to gain that which he cannot lose. When we give up everything, we grab hold of the things that can never be taken from us. They don't, they don't spoil. They don't fade. They don't rot. That is the worthiness. We're, we're giving up all things. Our willingness, our sacrificing, our, our, our hearts to be after what God desires. That makes us kingsmen. Come on. That makes us about the king's business. Because there is nothing else in our heart. There's nothing else vying for attention. It is just that. That willingness. It's what you have, not what you don't have. Ethan, your life, young man, is going to be defined by being the king's man. Yeah. Yes. And it takes some time of stripping off unkingly like garments to reveal the king's man that is under there. But your trajectory of your life is heading towards the kingdom. And there's going to be those bumps along the road, but the trajectory is always going to be up. And you are clinging and grabbing a hold of things that you cannot lose. We're going, to turn, we're going to turn to one of our last scriptures of the evening out of Revelation 7. And we've been talking about standing up, being a kingsman, and being willing. Yeah. I'm going to say it one more time. Standing up, being a kingsman, and being willing. What we see in this next verse are saints who fought well to accomplish these feats. Saints who were loyal to the king and his business. Church, we're going to turn to Revelation 7, verse 9 here. We want to uh, begin to hint at the direction that we will be heading. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne in the front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Church, we didn't mention it in Nehemiah 8. But later in the chapter, the Israelites read from the book of the law and realize what they, we know to be Sukkot. The Feast of Tabernacles was to be celebrated. Now, in the very near future, we will be discussing the Feast of Tabernacles. But today is not that day. Instead, we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians 4. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 4 for our last passage. We're going to read verses 10 through 12. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Church, we have one life to give all that we can give. We have one life to forsake everything that is of the world, that we might gain an inheritance that's everlasting. This body is full of men and women that are kingsmen. You guys make up a kingdom of priests. And we're going to the nation's 
and we are going to make kingsmen in those nations. You have a great task ahead of you. We have a great task ahead of us. We have a glorious task ahead of us. We must allow death to be at work in us so that life may be work in the people around us. We must be the kingsmen that rise and say, in the name of Jesus, his will and nothing else. Let us carry this hope in us of resurrection life. Let us carry within us the hope that God desires to bring restoration to all mankind. Let us be the light in the world that it speaks about in Genesis 1.17. Let us be repairers of this world like it speaks about in Nehemiah. Let us be the king's men for the sake of others. Church, we have died many times. And there is still more death to come. But we are king's men and death is our occupation. It was what we were born, bred, and raised for. Today, you have to make a choice. Will I bemoan what happened yesterday? Or will I take this death on the chin today and stand up and fight evermore to be my king's man? Saints, can I say what a privilege it has been to be benefited by these men's walk in all three of their days of atonement in their lives. See, I have been blessed by the work that has gone on inside of the Korah household. I think this whole body has been. I've been blessed for a long time by the work that's gone on inside of the Tisdale household. For an even longer time, I've been blessed by what has been going on in the Stevens household. Saints, this evening is a time for us to rejoice for a minute. Let's put uh, Luke 5.12 back on the screen. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will. You can make me clean. Saints, there's an aspect of Adonai's character that tonight we want to be firm in. We want to understand and draw confidence from it. You remember those weeks of sermons where we were preaching about the character of God, learning to see it? An aspect of the character of God that we must grasp is that what happened on Sunday, the Day of Atonement, is an annual continual reminder to you in your life that he is willing. This is not a church of men and women that are barely hanging on by a thread. This is a church of people who are learning to continually grow in seriousness, but experience what it looks like for your God to atone for you once again. See, these men are right. There are many days of atonement. And right now is a season for us to experience what it looks like for your God to set you on new footing. For you to walk out of here feeling clean, knowing that you're right with your God. See, the beautiful thing is that this isn't just once a year. We have a once a year annual reminder, as the beginning of Hebrews says. What these gentlemen shared with you from Nehemiah is all about the month of Tishri and how the people were to interact with the feast. Did you notice that it's not a time of mourning? It's a time of joy and celebration. 
Saints, can I tell you, we have similar reason for the same joy that you saw in the passage these men just shared with us. See, our lives were once in Babylonian captivity. We were once hopeless, but no more. Our God has said he is willing to make us clean, to restore us, to set us on right footing. And he chose you and he purchased you. He will not forget you. I'm going to read to you a familiar passage from Hebrews 10 before we go into worship. But you should really know all of the prior verses in their context, beginning with verse 1 of Hebrews 10, are about this feast. About what this time frame was always to produce. That there was an annual reminder to tell you that you had a God who was willing to make you clean. And the same kind of testimonies that these three men have shared again and again. And the sacrifice of an animal was never enough to make it permanent. But there was one who would lay down his life so that you never walked any other way than atoned for. Amen. I'm going to read to you from Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 26. It was kind of nice that these brothers stayed in the old school NIV. I meant I got to bring my Bible up here instead of a laptop. We're going to back up a little to verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Saints, how many times have you heard that in a church service? How many times have you heard us jump up and down and preach you have confidence? Why? It's because of the month of Tishri and there was a day that it wasn't just an animal's blood. There was eternal blood that was poured out for you that would continue for year after year. Ibrahim Zakari, you have confidence because he has atoned for you. And I've seen so many days when he set you back up on your feet. I'm looking at the Phillips and that is a family that has never been stronger than they are right now. Do I even need to talk about the McLeans? Saints, this is a family. Look around to your left and right. I have watched Caleb make a year's worth of progress in a month. He is growing in every way. He has a new anointing that is visible on him, a hunger for the word, and his brothers are blessed by it. This is a body who has experienced what it looks like to have confidence that says, hey, I may have identified something that isn't where it needs to be today. But I'm not waiting for atonement. I have atonement and Sunday was a reminder of it. And now I'm standing to my feet. It says by new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near to God with sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Hear these last words. 
But let us encourage one another all the more as you see the capitalized day approaching. Saints, the end result of everything that we've been studying about eschatology, everything that we've been studying about the feast and what these men are sharing with you from their own personal experience with the atonement of God, is that the body of Christ, the house of God, those who have a great high priest over them, well, you might have a renewed confidence and assurance of faith that it is not possible that he will let you fail if you will keep moving forward. Your God will uphold you and it is your job to spur those around you and say, he has not abandoned us. He has atoned for us. Stand up with me, we're king's men. As we begin to worship together, let this be a time of rejoicing. Can I tell you a secret? We're not done with the month of Tishri. In fact, if we were on the correct calendar, tomorrow would be a very special day. Since we're going in, we'll talk about it on Sunday. But the end result of the people who did take the time to hear the last trumpet. Anybody in this room felt the new alarm of the trumpet? Took the 10 days to reassess their life. Anybody in this room spent time reassessing their life? Was that as of Sunday, you'd be done with introspection. You'd be done with guilt. You'd be done with all concern that you are going to fail and rise in a new confidence. That's because the king's business is going to bring us to Sukkot, where you become priest of God on the very earth in the order of your high priest, reconciling the nations back. But saints, the only way we're really going to be able to participate in that on Sunday, that we take the time to engage within our king in a way where you cease doubting his ability to work in you because he has purchased every one of you, small and great alike through this room. He will not let you fail if you cling to him and he has already atoned for you. So as we begin to worship, just as men and women of God who are a family. As if it was the very first time we were in his presence, remembering that moment that he first atoned for you and you could feel a new freedom. You wanted to run outside and tell your family and tell the world about what he did for you. We're gonna worship him again because he is atoning and has atoned for us in the very same way. And we are free to serve him. Mighty one, we thank you. But that your atoning work is alive inside of us. But that we're not further from you than the first day we called on you. Lord, you have drawn us so much closer to you. And you have set us free because you are willing to make us clean. We rejoice in you and praise your holy name, mighty one. Oh.